This episode is part one of a read-through of Greater Love Has No One Than This by Byung-Hoon Yoo, a book with a concise explanation of the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as well as the gospel that he preached for three years. Greater Love Has No One Than This by Byung-Hoon Yoo, narrated by Alex Taylor. Part one, real love that seems like a dream. As man walked upon this land called Earth, in the days before history had been divided into B.C. and A.D., a man by the name of Joseph lived in a village called Nazareth, situated in Galilee in the northern region of Israel. Joseph was a kind-hearted and righteous young man. He was a carpenter by trade and was engaged to a woman by the name of Mary, a woman whom he loved dearly. Yet. In the midst of his joy, Joseph encountered a problem that caused him unspeakable agony. He discovered that Mary, the woman he loved more than anyone in the world, was pregnant with a child that had nothing to do with him. Thinking that he could not take a woman in such a condition to be his wife, he was considering breaking off their relationship quietly. But then, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel went on to explain that these events were the process of the fulfillment of the promise that God had made through the prophet Isaiah 740 years earlier. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 contains a record of this promise. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. In other words, this prophecy was to let us know that God himself would appear to us in human form. Before this was revealed to Joseph, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, Do not be afraid, Mary for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. When Mary heard these words, she asked, how can this be, since I do not know a man? The angel replied, The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary responded in obedience to these words. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now that Mary had conceived, she sang God's praises, saying, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Joseph was not aware of the praise for God overflowing from Mary's heart as this blessed truth was accomplished within her. 
so it was only natural that his heart should have been filled with deep concern. It was while Joseph was in this state that the angel of the Lord proclaimed to him the news that the light had shone in Galilee on the land that lay in the shadow of death, as had been foretold much earlier in the word of God received by the prophet Isaiah. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah made this prophecy a long time ago, 740 years before Jesus was born. It was when the child had been conceived in Mary's womb in accordance with the prophecies, which were being fulfilled one by one, that Augustus, the Roman emperor who had control of various countries along the shores of the Mediterranean Sea, gave the command that a census be taken of all the world. This stemmed from the emperor's greed for a more efficient collection of taxes, but God's plan surpasses Satan's schemes, which had aroused this greed in the emperor, and his plan was gradually beginning to shine through his word. Joseph and Mary also traveled the long distance up to Bethlehem, the city of their ancestor David in the land of Judah in order to be registered. Mary was due to give birth when she and Joseph arrived at their destination, but the city was bustling with travelers and they were not able to find a place to stay. They just managed to find somewhere in a stable, and there Mary gave birth to her child, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger. It was around that time that an angel of the Lord appeared to some shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks by night in the open fields. The shepherds trembled with fear as the glory of God shone around them. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Then suddenly, a whole host of angels appeared from heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, and they told them what the angel had said to them. Mary stored these words up in her heart and pondered over them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. Sometime after that, Jerusalem was set in commotion. Some wise men, having seen a star in the east, had come and asked, 
Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. King Herod gathered all the chief priests and scribes and inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Long before this, Jacob had said, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. And a prophet had said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It is no wonder that Herod was shocked and all Jerusalem was in a commotion when these Gentile wise men arrived, having come from far away, following the star that had appeared in accordance with these words of prophecy. According to the words of prophecy that the chief priests and scribes had found in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 in the Old Testament scriptures, a ruler over Israel would come forth from Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. When Herod heard these words, he realized that his throne was no longer secure, and so he devised a countermeasure. He secretly summoned the wise men and ascertained from them precisely when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. These words, however, were a lie that concealed the dark intentions in Herod's heart. Having heard the king's request, the wise men from the east went on their way, and the star appeared in front of them once more. They followed the star and stopped where it came to a halt. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy as they entered the house. There they found the young child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped the child. Then, opening their treasures, they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God warned the wise men in a dream that they should not go back to Herod, so they returned to their country by a different route. Joseph also received a command from the angel of the Lord in a dream. Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Joseph arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. King Herod waited, expecting the wise men to return and give him news of the child. In the end, when they did not come, he realized he had been deceived, and he flew into a rage. He sent his men to Bethlehem, and they killed all the male children from the age of two and under in that region. He based this action on the information he had received from the wise men regarding the precise time of the appearance of the star. Later, while Joseph was living in Egypt, an angel of the Lord appeared to him again in a dream and told him, Arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Joseph arose, took the child and his mother, and returned to the land of Israel. Before all these events took place, God had already said through the prophet Hosea, Out of Egypt I called my son. Following God's instructions, they went to the region of Galilee and settled down there in the town of Nazareth. So it was that when Jesus grew to be a man, he was referred to as a Nazarene in fulfillment of the words of the prophet. In other words, Jesus came to be called the son of Joseph, the carpenter of Nazareth.
After this, Jesus left Nazareth and went to the region of Zebulun and Naphtali near the sea, where he lived in the village of Capernaum. This was in accordance with God's instructions spoken through the prophet Isaiah. At first, he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. One Sabbath day, when Jesus went into the synagogue, he turned to the book of the prophet Isaiah and read from it. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and said to the people who were gathered in the synagogue, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The passage he had read was from the beginning of Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Adam's wife Eve was deceived by the serpent into eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She then gave Adam some of this fruit that God had said was not to be eaten, and the forefather of the human race also ate it. Thereupon the eyes of both of them were opened, and they lost the blessing God had given them in the beginning. God had said that on the day Adam ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he would surely die. Even though physically he was still alive, his spirit was in a dead state, as God had said would happen. In other words, the communication between God and Adam was broken off and Adam became the forefather of a human race, all of whom are dead in trespasses and sin. In order to give life to the pitiful spirits of those who would be born in trespasses and sin, God said that the descendant of the woman would appear and bruise the serpent on the head. God gave this as a warning to the tempter. God spoke these words in the Garden of Eden to Adam, who had forgotten the commandment he had been given and had eaten the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and to the serpent who had led him to eat the fruit. At the time when God created the heavens and the earth, he was pleased with what had been accomplished on each day, except the second, when he made the firmament. On the sixth and last day of the creation, when man was created, God saw that indeed it was very good. On the second day, however, God did not express anything at all. When we look into this matter, we find it was because of Satan, who had become the prince of the power of the air. So it was that God had commanded Adam to tend the garden and to keep it. Therefore, God sent his only begotten son within the history of mankind as man roamed in the darkness, having left the garden paradise. This only begotten son was Jesus Christ, the one whom God had said in the Garden of Eden would be born as the descendant of a woman. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, the prophet wrote, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And the apostle Matthew wrote of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. The prophet Isaiah wrote, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And, in reference to this child, he said he would be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. About 740 years after Isaiah recorded these words, God's gift was conceived in Nazareth. The child that was conceived was the promised Son of God. Even though Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it was in Nazareth that God gave His Son to mankind. 
In other words, it was in Nazareth that Jesus was conceived. As the child was developing in his mother's womb, the Roman emperor, to satisfy his greed, sent out a decree that a census be taken. As a result, the child's mother went south to Bethlehem, and there the child was brought into the world. Thus came about the birth of Jesus Christ, as had been foretold by the prophet Micah about 700 years earlier. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Jesus then left this place where the prophecy had been fulfilled and went to Egypt. Later, he moved to Nazareth and lived there in order that he might appear as the great light to shine upon the people who walk in darkness, as prophesied by Isaiah. It was as God's word, which had lain hidden for many years, was being fulfilled in this way, and the light was beginning to shine on the people of Nazareth who were living in darkness, that Jesus was born. At that time, the glory of the Lord shone round about the shepherds who were in the fields, and the multitude of the heavenly host praised God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. This is truly the way it is. Amongst the countless people who have lived on this earth during the past 2,000 years since that time, there have been, and still are, people who have become children of God, in other words, those with whom God is pleased. These are the people who believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and praise God in their hearts for the grace by which He has clothed their spirits with His love. These people whose hearts are overflowing with gratitude for the forgiveness of their sins have experienced what has been accomplished through this holy light. The Bible says of Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. There was a man who was sent six months in advance in order to proclaim this true light. This man was John the Baptist. His father, Zacharias, was a priest of the division of Abijah, and, filled with the Holy Spirit, he prophesied, saying, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the dayspring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The Apostle Paul expressed this matter as follows, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This also corresponds to God's purpose in creating the heavens and the earth. When the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep, God said, Let there be light. And he said that light was to shine upon the earth. It is clear that we were all spiritually blind until we were redeemed from the power of darkness. In other words, until we received forgiveness for our sins through the death and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who revealed God's love in this way. There was a blind man who, having come to know Jesus for the first time, said, One thing I know that though I was blind, now I see. One of the reasons Jesus came to this world was so that the blind might see, and that those who say they can see might know they are blind. When Jesus said this, some of those who opposed him asked, Are we blind also? To this Jesus replied, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. 
therefore your sin remains. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words, and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say we see, therefore your sin remains. In connection with this, the Apostle John explained, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He also wrote that Jesus was the true light, which gives light to every man. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. As Jesus said, this true light that gives light to every man is Jesus himself. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Long before this, the prophet Isaiah had said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It says here, unto us a son is given. About 740 years later, God spoke through his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, saying, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Before Jesus, this only begotten Son was born into the world in human form. He was God the Creator. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. The Bible says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. This is the one who is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His nature. He is also the one who created the world. He is the one who spoke long ago through the prophets of Israel in many portions and in many ways to the ancestors of the Israelites who lived before the birth of Jesus Christ. At the end of all those prophecies, God came clothed in the body of his Son and spoke to mankind. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. When the people marveled at this holy man and asked Jesus who he was, he replied, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. Then he said, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. In saying this, he was revealing himself as the Eternal One. The Holy Spirit of the One who said, Before Abraham was, I am, and just what I have been saying to you from the beginning, is the Holy Spirit who was in the prophets, in their spirits, long ago as he bore witness in advance of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. God, who spoke to the Israelites through many prophets over such a long period of time, also said, Before me, 
there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. He is the one who was born on this earth in accordance with the prophecies that said a child would be born, a son, the only begotten son, would be given, and he would be the Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He was born in the humble physical form of a man. He was the Word made flesh. He came to his own domain. In other words, he came to the land of Israel. But in the end, those who were his own people did not receive him. They subjected him to the most severe punishment of their time. His hands and his feet were nailed to a cross. The man who was killed in this way as a sinner, his face contorted in pain, a crown of thorns on his head, was none other than God's only begotten Son. About 740 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah had written in advance, Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Since the one to whom Isaiah referred was definitely God, the prophet wrote, his visage was so marred more than any man. About a thousand years before these events occurred, King David wrote, The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. He also wrote, They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Of Jesus' suffering, David wrote, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you look up all these prophecies one by one and compare them to the death of Jesus Christ and the events surrounding that death as they appear in the New Testament, you will come to see it all as a well-built structure completed according to precise plans and designs. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus suffered and died in this way, but three days later he rose from the dead. In reference to this, King David had written many years earlier, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Despite the fact that these passages were to be found in the Scriptures, even those who had followed Jesus did not believe this truth. When two of these disciples were walking along the road to Emmaus together on the day after the Sabbath, the resurrected Jesus approached them and walked along with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not recognize him. Jesus asked them what they were talking about as they walked along, and one of them replied, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? Then they told him how Jesus had been treated so unjustly, the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened.
Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them carefully the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Then when they sat down to eat, Jesus took some bread, and after he had blessed it, he broke it and gave it to the two men. It was then that their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus Christ. Then Jesus disappeared from their sight, and the two said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us, while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures, the Old Testament? Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, and the prophets and the psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding, that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Thus Jesus was crucified and died, and God raised him from the dead three days later. After he had suffered in this way, he presented himself alive by many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke of the things concerning the kingdom of God. The most important point was proclaimed by an angel when Jesus was about to come into the world. For he will save his people from their sins. Just as the angel revealed this about Jesus, after his resurrection, Jesus himself said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Later, the apostle Peter also wrote, To him all the prophets witnessed that, through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. This blessed truth to which, through the grace of Jesus Christ, man's spirit has been called from his wanderings in darkness in the impression of sin, is the news of God's tremendous love which he promised beforehand in the Old Testament. God promised this gospel concerning his Son in advance through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Therefore, the purpose of recording the Old and New Testaments is to be found in the words Jesus spoke before he was crucified while he was still living in the flesh. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. At that time, whenever the Jews read the Old Testament, they did so in the hope of receiving eternal life. But Jesus himself told them the scriptures, or the Old Testament, bore witness to the fact that he was the Christ. Also, the apostle John bore witness, saying that the New Testament was recorded so that those who read it might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Christ, and that by believing in the name of Jesus, God's only begotten Son, they might receive eternal life. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. King Solomon lived more than 900 years before the birth of Jesus. Even though he enjoyed all the glory there was to be had, he said, Vanity of vanities! 
He said there was no difference between the death of animals and the death of men. He also said, Who knows the spirit of the sons of men which goes upward, and the spirit of the animal which goes down to the earth? And let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. That which is has already been, and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. We can see that Solomon's words here regarding the fact that judgment awaits everybody after death concur with the words that Jesus himself said in the New Testament. The Apostle John wrote down these words of Jesus, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Similarly, among the texts that well explain the love of God in sending Jesus Christ into this world, we find the verse that reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we simply believe in accordance with the written word of God, we escape the punishment of eternal destruction, and we receive eternal life. Yet there is one truth that we must realize, and that is the fact that Jesus Christ took our sins, the sins of each one of us individually, upon himself as he died on the cross. It is absolutely necessary to know this. There is also something that John the Baptist cried out in regard to Jesus Christ. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sin of the whole world that he took upon himself includes my sins and your sins. The sins of each and every one of us individually are all included. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you think over everything that has been discussed so far, you will probably remember that the Old Testament explained in advance the birth of Jesus, his death, and the fact that God would raise him from the dead. If you believe the entire Bible to be true as recorded first by the prophets and then in the writings of the apostles, the promise that Jesus himself made will be accomplished in you. Let's listen carefully now to this promise. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. If you have come to believe this fact and do not have any doubts about it, direct your thankfulness to the Holy God and Father for the love that he has given you free of charge. And let's read once more with gratitude the words of Jesus. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. 
I and my Father are one. As we live our lives with gratitude in our hearts to God and to His Son, Jesus Christ, who freely bestowed this great love upon us, let us cast all our cares upon Him. Grace and the Word given by God. If you have any questions or matters you wish to discuss, you can email us at info at the wordforum.org or call 201-541-9060. You can find the contact information in the description. Thank you.